bit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show. And we are talking today about Forecast 2021. So it's interesting. I am having flashbacks to Forecast 2020 when we were actually talking about a lot of other stuff, not about COVID, but a year ago right now, I had my presentation ready to go and Jeremy and I were ready to get up and give it. And somebody actually mentioned in the crowd as I was going around talking to a few folks, somebody mentioned, hey, did you hear about this COVID thing that's going on? It sounds like it could be some kind of an outbreak and so forth. At that point, nobody knew anything about how things were going to shake out. But indeed, that's how the year shook out is that January, February of last year, things were looking quite good. And our forecast actually was pretty positive for the year 2020. Although I will say that we did predict the volatility would increase throughout the year, and it certainly did in a big way. But really, what I want to talk about today is just a flyover of our views, really, Keystone Financial's views on the market and the economy kind of coming up into this year, as it's something that I think are on a lot of people's minds, or people wondering, is this going to be another year like last year? Is the economy going to be just as shaky as it was in 2020? So as we get going here, we always like to divide things out into a few different sections, where we've been, where we are, and where we may be going. So first of all, where we've been, clearly this last year has been dominated by COVID-19, the pandemic, and there was a lot of government intervention that came into the economy that really boosted the markets through the remainder of the year. So the fuel that really pumped into the economy was twofold. Number one, fiscal stimulus, and that came from trillions of dollars of aid being approved by Congress and signed off by the president, and then certainly the monetary stimulus that really made a huge difference. The Federal Reserve jumped in, and they made some big moves in lowering interest rates to zero very quickly, and then also ramping up their quantitative easing program, really to put a lot of cash back into the economy. So the way we like to think of things is it's kind of like the economy is a semi that's loaded up with a ton of weight, and when it's trying to go up a hill, especially when it was going really slow before, it takes a long time. And out here in Colorado, we see lots of semis going through the mountains. You don't want to get stuck behind one, especially if it's just kind of getting its momentum. And that's kind of what happened with the economy is that things were actually ticking along quite good in the early part of the year. In fact, GDP was good. Earnings were good. Unemployment was at record lows. It just seemed like everything was clicking along for us to have a great 2020. Of course, there's unexpected stuff that happens. And the stock market tends to be more like a race car where it can react very quickly. It can slow down quick. It can speed up quick. And that's what happened in March of last year is the market took a nosedive after it became apparent that COVID was going to be a very big deal and that globally the economy was going to shut down in a big way. So overall, throughout the year, we had to regain some momentum. And that's really what the remainder of the year was about is trying to get things started again, trying to get momentum going in the economy. And the economy never goes to zero. It never just stops completely. So even though it may have felt that way, there were still segments of the economy 
economy that were still moving, maybe just slower than they had been. But overall, really the struggle through the remainder of the year is that we kind of went in these fits and starts of opening and closing. And certainly through the remainder of the year, especially in the last quarter of the year, numbers started spiking again, COVID-19 cases started spiking again. And really, there wasn't any stimulus from the government until late in December, meaning that there wasn't as much government money that was coming into the mix really to boost things. Overall, one big part of this is the employment gains and the fact that employment really stalled out. And especially back in March, April, there were a lot of layoffs. A lot of people became underemployed that had been employed before, Uh, certainly restaurant workers, people that were in the travel industry, the bar industry, any of those areas really were disproportionately impacted. What we ended up seeing is through the remainder of 2020 numbers continuing to get better, but again, kind of tabling off through the end of the year as there was a resurgence in the virus. So as we go through the remainder of 2021, we think those numbers are going to keep getting better. The the employment situation is going to continue getting better. And in fact, into next year, 2022 and 2023, we're expected to go back down to where we were in early 2020. In other words, very, very low unemployment, where the challenge actually is more on the employer end, is finding enough good employees. That's what I was hearing a year ago right now, is that employers, that was their biggest challenge trying to find employees because everybody who wanted a job had a job. So ultimately, consumers are spending and they slowed way down. We all slowed down, I think, because we got scared back in March, April of last year. We were all kind of stuck in our houses and a lot of spending really went down. That certainly resurged at different parts of the year, kind of popped up in people spending money on their yards and their houses and on campers and boats and all kinds of stuff. So it's not to say that spending went to zero. The consumer including myself, you know, as we got more comfortable and realized that, hey, this is not going to be the end of the world. We got a little bit more liberal with our pocketbooks and started spending again. Why do we talk about unemployment and why do we talk about consumer spending? Because they go hand in hand. 70% of the economy is consumer spending. In other words, just you and I spending money on stuff. So it's very, very important that people have jobs. They've got cash in their pockets because if they have cash in their pockets, more than likely they're going to spend it and that will help the economy. So as we kind of went through the remainder of the year, then the story of the sports car in the semi really was about these fits and starts of the economy and the market going up and down through the remainder of the year as everybody was trying to absorb what does all this mean. And so really anxiety levels were pretty high last year for lots of reasons, not just because of the pandemic. Of course, there was a lot of social unrest and a lot of political unrest. So 2020 was an eventful year. We kind of thought in January of last year, hey, this could be kind of a boring year, a boring good year. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, the end result, I think, as far as the market was not a bad thing, but certainly it was a very volatile year. And for people who don't like volatility, uh, it probably was not your most favorite year. So, you know, the context of it is that the stock market really sped past the economy, kind of like the sports car. And that's always the case. The sports car or the stock market is always trying to look six to 12 months in the future to see where we're going. So it was the end of the longest bull market in history. And it was the shortest bear market in history. That's the good news is that the bear market that we experienced in March, April of last year was very, very short. Things started popping back up. 
because there was some apparent, uh, once the government money started coming into the mix, it was very apparent that this is not going to be without a lot of money being pumped into the economy to keep things going. And the market kind of recognized that, that with all this money coming into the economy, it's going to end up being okay. And eventually the pandemic will run its course. So there definitely was some mixed reaction there. Again, think of the sports car and the semi, if you're trying to figure out why is the market up so much when the economy is still is struggling. So ultimately, it was a very bumpy year, very volatile year, uh, one of the highest volatility years we've seen in recent history. The ones that were before this last year would have been back to the financial crisis and then in the early 2000s. So we had gone through a period of time where volatility actually had been quite low for a number of years. And so I think for a lot of people, it ended up being quite surprising when they started seeing all the turbulence hit. A lot of the year, the stock market really was fueled by growth stocks. Most of the year, that would be tech companies, by and large, or big disruptive companies. I would think of things like Netflix, Google, Amazon, companies that are really changing the way the world works. Now, through the end of the year, November, December of last year, we actually saw some rotation where different sectors of the economy started stepping up. Things like pharmaceuticals, value companies like financials, energy companies, things on that side of the equation actually started doing quite well. That's a good thing if you're a diversified investor. And also, I think instructive that we always want to stay diversified. We never want to make big bets. Because if you make big bets, eventually you will end up being wrong. And there could be a lot of loss that you will end up experiencing. The stock market ended up having a great year. It ended up hitting record highs. And at that same time, earnings were starting to get better, just creeping up. Some questions right now around valuations about the market. Is the market too high right now relative to earnings? So historically, yes, we are at fairly high points right now. Earnings will have to get better. Earnings will have to catch up with prices. And I think that will end up happening here in 2021, 2022, as earnings are expected to really rebound as businesses are allowed to open back up and really operate at full capacity. There were a number of reasons, just to sum up, number of reasons why the market did pretty decent last year. Number one, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, pumped a lot of money into the economy, kept rates low. Government stimulus programs in the trillions of dollars, we've never had that kind of stimulus coming into the economy before. Now, there could there be long-term consequences? Yes, there could be long-term consequences on how do we pay off that debt eventually. That's in the future. That's not a short-term problem. That's more of an intermediate to long-term problem that we will have to wrestle with a different day. Again, disruptive companies, growth companies, we think of the FANG stocks, for example, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and of course, many other companies you could think of like Tesla or SpaceX that have had a profound change in the markets and in the world, the way we live. Uh, so the stock market ultimately, again, looks ahead six to 12 months, and we were in a very low interest rate environment. So ultimately, kind of where we find ourselves today is we still have a lot of people doing the working from home thing, school from home, although that is starting to go back a little bit, as we find that the vaccine will start to have some positive impact as more and more people get immune to COVID. We do expect that more people will return to the physical workplace. Now, of course, we've all been in the virtual workplace to some extent over this past year. More and more things will go back to some level of normal there. Certainly, kids are going to start getting back into school and already are in many areas, at least in a hybrid capacity. So ultimately, the interesting thing is kind of looking forward. A lot of people are bullish. At least half of the 
people, according to the AAII Investor Sentiment Survey in December of 2020, about half of people were bullish, which of course means that half of people were bearish. But ultimately, we do not find overall pessimism. In fact, I think a lot of people are very optimistic about the future. There has been a big market rotation again towards the end of the year. More sectors are participating in the growth that we're seeing in the stock market. So we're seeing this rotation from growth to value, from large to small stocks, from defensive companies to cyclical companies, to stay-at-home types of companies like Zoom to out-and-about companies, and that's more to come, right? If you think about the really out-and-about companies, that would be like Royal Caribbean or any airline certainly would be the out-and-about types of companies. Even those businesses will get back up and running eventually. We are seeing that start to rotate. Again, it just underscores why do we want to stay diversified. So, you know, there was a rough road ahead of us. Uh, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty. So I would definitely not be in the camp of saying that we're out of the woods. Everything is great. I think we all realize that there are some challenges ahead. One of those certainly is vaccine delivery. And that's happening in fits and starts, depending on where you live, it might be working great, or it might not be. I'm from Iowa originally. And I hear from people back in Iowa that it's a mess and very, very few people have been vaccinated. I talked to family down in Arizona and they say it's working great. And, you know, old people are having no problem getting in and getting their vaccination schedule. So that's happening in fits and starts, but it is starting to make a difference. We are starting to see some statistics that support the cases starting to drop, uh, severe illness or death starting to drop. That's a good sign, and we hope that continues. Unemployment should continue to get better, but it's still at elevated levels right now. Of course, there's been some creative destruction in all of this in that whenever you go through some kind of a major event, a lot of businesses figure out how they can be more flexible, adaptable, and more efficient, and sometimes they figure figure out that that being more efficient actually results in less workers and that they can operate with less employees. So that's one thing to keep in mind is there's a rotation there as well in that People need to be very adaptable in the workforce. If you're any type type of business owner, you already know this because that's the only way you survive is being very adaptable as a business. But employees of companies also need to be very adaptable, willing to move, willing to take on new skills as continued as things continue to change in the future. Um, you know, with innovation and as new opportunities end up coming out for folks, there have been a lot of small business destruction. Some studies that I've seen have said that up to half of all small businesses throughout this whole pandemic and all the changes that are happening, that half of all small businesses could either be sharply diminished or may even go away as a result. Of course, many of those are very small businesses like uh, caterers or hairdressers or, uh, or certainly restaurants. I think a lot of us have seen that. Many businesses have already gone away because of the shutdowns and the events of the last year. More economic relief almost certainly to happen with the political outcomes that we saw in the elections, almost certainly to be uh, a huge amount of stimulus continuing to come into the economy. And then ultimately, there's some worry about economic safety nets and kind of who's benefiting and who's not. That's up for a lot of debate, and that'll happen for years and years. You know, where we're going, where we think we're going in this next year, you know, there's certainly been a huge difference in housing, and there's been a housing boom, believe it or not, largely fueled from people spending more time at home. I think a lot of that probably comes from the fact that people may feel less satisfied with their home if they're at home all the time. They start to see that, hey, we'd like a nicer backyard. We'd like a new deck, or maybe we would just like a different type of home. So we've seen a lot of people moving, a lot of people upgrading homes as they realize that the time from home, both for their kids and for themselves, is going up. And some of 
them realize that, hey, some of this is actually probably permanent. Some of this uh, work from home, a lot of companies are finding that their employees are actually far more productive at home. And by and large, studies show that employees like the flexibility. They like to work from home at least part of the time now that they've had that experience. Uh, Savings rates have gone up. That's probably a good thing from a personal standpoint. Uh, Maybe not so much from the economy because the economy needs people to spend that money, but ultimately savings rates have gone up. And people, I think, have gotten scared. I think all of us you know, had a wake-up call spring of 2020 when the market dropped 30% within a couple of weeks. And everybody got really concerned about how bad is this going to be for my job, for my business, for the economy. Everybody got a little bit scared, which is probably a healthy thing I mean, as far as reevaluating, hey, do we need to pay off our debt? Do we need to keep more in cash? Do we need to watch our spending a little bit more? I think a lot of people have re-examined that, and that's why those savings rates have gone up. There's been huge disruption, and this is always a good thing in the long run in the fact that there's been sustained innovation and technology adoption, things that we didn't even know of. I mean, how many people have really heard of the company Zoom a year ago, and now we're all very familiar with it as we've all had to use it and maybe enjoy using it in our daily lives and doctor appointments and in our businesses, our appointments things like that. At Keystone, we've actually found that it's made us far more productive and far more flexible as far as being able to jump on calls together and a lot easier for us to be in touch with our clients. So there's been some good things that have come from them. Of course, lots of things to come in the future, things like 3D printing, space exploration, uh, really a lot of the technologies that our clients are working in, a lot of our, our clients that own businesses or employees of companies, many of you are working on this stuff right now. And it's just fascinating to kind of look at where the future might lead us. Part of that will be demand for cleaner energy, uh, for cleaner cars. The economics are starting to match up with that as the gap between, say, a hybrid vehicle and its gas equivalent is starting to narrow. And eventually, it's within the next few years, in fact, I'm hearing that the hybrid versions of vehicles will really be economically viable. In other words, where people won't just buy them for altruistic reasons, they'll actually start buying them because it saves them money. Up until this point, it's been something that's been more of a luxury or just a personal preference that people have had those types of vehicles in the future, it really is going to become more economical. And uh, you know, really, as we see that innovation, it's fun. It's fun to witness that and think about the implications for our planet and the way we live. And then ultimately, pursuit of social justice. People have different definitions of what that means. And I think there's been a lot of that over the last year, a lot of debate about things like race and and sex and how people are living their lives. So certainly as we continue to work through that, it's nothing new. As a nation, we've always done that. We've always had these rigorous debates about how we live and how the government gets involved in certain things. And so certainly that's going to continue to be a theme as we go forward. So the growth outlook overall, we do expect the economy to grow in most countries in the world. Uh, the average uh, expected growth, if you look at the planet, is about 5.2% in 2021. That's the GDP estimate for the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is estimating that about 5.2% growth globally. Which you think about that, that's actually a very good number historically. But remember, we're climbing out of a hole uh, from last year. The U.S. is expected to grow at 3.1%, again, which is about our historical average. If you look over the last 100 years or so, remember, we're climbing out of a recession. Remember that semi we talked about before? That semi sold way, way down to just a crawl last spring, and we're just gradually getting that thing going again to get the economy back up to where 
it was before. There are certainly some risks, again, uh, the vaccine effectiveness we talked about, pace of the recovery, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like and how consumers will play into that. Remember that 70% of the economy is just us spending money on stuff. So how soon will people feel comfortable traveling? How soon will people feel comfortable going out and spending like they did before? How soon will people start to go back out to eat like they did before? These are all things that will have big, big implications as far as the economy and different businesses that we all use. Uh, U.S.-China tensions, certainly there are tensions in many parts of the world, but the U.S. and China are the number one and number two economies. So if we go at it, that's probably something that's going to create some volatility. And, you know, we do need each other. There's a, a lot of evidence for that because if we completely cut off trade from each other, that would be really bad for both countries. I don't see that happening. I do see that there will be continued tension and certainly could cause some volatility. And then ultimately investor behavior. We've seen some of that here early this year with a lot more individual traders that are bored, basically (laughs) that are at home, they're bored because they're out of work or maybe they uh, don't have enough to do, but they're jumping in or doing stock trading. And in social media, a lot of these people are kind of teaming up and placing trades together, which is causing some huge volatility and in in some of these individual stocks. High debt levels, that's one thing that we are concerned about monitoring. The debt levels are very elevated, and they always do get to be elevated, by the way. When we hit a recession, the market uh, continues to take a hit, the economy takes a hit, and the government steps in, basically. And the way they do that is they borrow money to do it. So we we do need to keep an eye on that. Long term, it's not sustainable to keep such high debt levels. So we do expect that over the next couple of years, as the economy gets going, again, that the uh, the government spending will start to abate. And then ultimately recognize that there's likely to be tax changes in the future with all of that debt and unfunded stuff going forward. Recognize that tax rates are probably going up. I'm talking about federal income tax rates. Almost certainly will go up in the future. Could be as early as 2022, maybe a little bit longer. We don't see anything happening in 2021 simply because uh, there's not much time you know, to, to increase tax rates. And there's also you know, the, the side benefit. If you're increasing tax rates, one of the implications there is that you're actually taking money away from individuals and you're giving it to the government to spend. So it actually does have a contracting effect on the economy when you increase income tax rates. That certainly is not something that politicians are likely to do when the economy is so weak. So, you know, we do think that this is going to be a recovery year. We do see that things are going to be okay in 2021 as things start to get more and more normal. And, and who knows what that looks like, right? The, you know, the new normal and getting back to some level of businesses being able to operate like they normally would, consumers being able to travel and go out to eat and do the stuff that they normally do. And you know, their kids go to school and go play soccer and all the stuff that we were used to doing before. Will it all look different? Absolutely. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. You know, some of these things can actually end up being good things. And I know, you know, from my own life and for many of you, I'm sure you'd have lots of stories to tell that when quote unquote bad stuff happens, we probably don't like it in the moment. We think it's bad. We think that, uh, you know, we, we really wish that it hadn't happened, whatever that might be. Could even be tragedy, something like COVID or people passing away. But there's always good that comes out of stuff. I think if we're looking for it, if we're looking for what could be great about something, even something that might seem bad on the surface, we will always find something. And ultimately, many business owners, myself included, we actually say that 2020 
2020 was a good year simply because we were forced to change. We were forced to innovate and very, very quickly, we were forced to adapt to serve our clients and add value where there was a lot of question about the certainty of the system, of the world, of people's health. That was our opportunity to step up and step in and serve our clients well. So with that, that's all I've got for today. I hope that that's enjoyable to you. We have a little bit longer version of that, by the way, on our YouTube channel. Just go to keystonefinancial.com and you'll see the video version with slides from Jeremy and I. It's about twice as long if you're really interested. I hope you go out and view that. Otherwise, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for giving your time. That's your most valuable resource. We so appreciate the relationship that we get to have with you, our clients, and certainly want to wish you the very best 2021. God bless and take care. For a list of sources used in preparation of this episode, please contact Josh Nelson at josh at keystonefinancial.com. The opinions voiced in this episode of the Wiser Financial Advisor with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor.